This morning we have the parable of the workers in the vineyard. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. This is really a great parable to follow up on our last Sunday school lesson, the prodigal son. It ties in very well with that parable. Like the prodigal son, it reveals the sinfulness of our hearts, which are selfish and set on a desire for the things of this world. In the parable of the prodigal son, we saw how both sins were really the same in their hearts. Even though the elder son remained and worked hard for his father, nevertheless, he was jealous of his younger brother, showing that in his heart, he really desired after that sinful lifestyle instead of recognizing that that is not anything good. And instead of recognizing what he had received and the goodness he had in staying and working for his father, he was jealous of his younger brother and what he got. He too wanted that sinful lifestyle and he thought that he should be rewarded for being faithful. He failed to see that being faithful and being good and doing the right thing is its own reward and that we need nothing else above that and that we don't do what is right in order to receive a reward but simply because it's right. So too in the parable today, those who worked and labored hard all day from, from the start believe that they should receive something more as a reward for doing the right thing from the very beginning. They fail to understand that we don't do the right thing as a favor for God. We do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Imagine if you were to say to your spouse, well, I've never cheated on you or beat you, therefore I deserve something for my faithfulness. Just imagine how that would go over with your spouse. Not well at all. To say such a thing would indicate that in your heart you want to do those things, but you're only refraining from them as a favor to your spouse instead of because you love your spouse and it's the right thing to do. And that's really a very sinful attitude. Similarly, very similarly, if we say to God, I have done the right thing my whole life, I've worked hard in your vineyard my whole life, therefore you owe me, we are really indicating a very sinful attitude. Such a phrase would imply that we are only doing what is right as a favor to God or so that we can get something from God instead of because it is the right thing to do. And the fact that this is our attitude very often just shows how sinful we are and how sinfulness comes from the heart, even as just Jesus said, out of the heart comes all evil desires. The parable that we're talking about today comes about because of a question that Peter asks. Jesus tells the rich man to sell all that he has and he will have treasure in heaven. When Peter hears Jesus saying that to the rich man, Peter immediately says, wait a minute, can I get some of that treasure for myself, right? And he asks Jesus and he says, look, we've left all, we've followed you. So he's less concerned about the fact that he's following Jesus because he's receiving from Jesus love and God's word and all the things that he receives from following Jesus. And he's more concerned about what he can get out of it at the end, what he can get paid for following Jesus. That's really a very sinful attitude on Peter's part, but it's the same attitude that we very often have. Peter's, Peter's response reveals a sinful attitude. He is at least a little bit jealous of the promise that Jesus gave to the rich man. Peter often says and does things that are not really in keeping with the correct attitude. We'll be honest, that Peter puts his foot in his mouth quite a bit. He speaks up when he should remain silent. He does and says things that he shouldn't do. But the thing about Peter is that he's honest, isn't he? He says and does those things because that's what he's honestly thinking in his heart, and he doesn't try and hide who he is. People who don't say and do those things is often because, it's not because their heart is different, but because they are 
kind of being a little bit deceptive and trying to hide the sinful attitude that they, they know is in their heart. Peter at least is being honest before Jesus and before God. That's, that's something really good about Peter, that, that honesty. And really that's the only way to be before God. He sees our hearts anyway. When we speak up and share the thoughts of our hearts, uh, and when they are sinful, God forgives us. And when we recognize that sinfulness, we ask for forgiveness and God, God forgives it. And God often responds to us as he does to Peter. Now, even though what Peter is saying is really reveals a sinful attitude, nevertheless, Jesus responds to him with a loving response and with the gospel as we're going to see. Long gospel in our parable. By the way, all that I mentioned about Peter, that's not actually in the reading uh, the reading is Matthew 21 to 16, so the reading just focuses on the parable, uh, but that comes before in the chapter before in chapter 19. Uh, long gospel from our parable, we always think we should be rewarded for doing the right thing instead of doing the right thing for the right thing's sake uh, or our love for God, right? We sometimes think we can bring our good deeds before God and we can demand payment for them from God. But the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death, and everything we try to bring before God is sin. So if we demand that God reward us according to what we deserve, what we are going to get is death. And that's going to become clear in the parable as well. But the gospel comes through very clearly in this parable as well. God reveals his grace and that he freely gives full wages, even to those who have labored only for an hour. God gives to us the forgiveness of sins, life, eternal salvation, and heaven, not because we deserve it, not because we've labored all day long, but because of his gracious promise and because Jesus died for our sins and rose again. So the main point, the thing we really want to drive home in this parable is that we need to learn to rejoice in God's goodness rather than worrying about what we deserve. The people who labor all day, they're more concerned about what they deserve and think it's unfair that those who labor for only an hour receive God's full goodness, when really they should be astonished and rejoicing in what a wonderful God we have, that he freely gives the full payment, the whole denarius, even to those who have only labored for an hour. Instead of being jealous of them or thinking they deserve more, they should be really rejoicing in God's great mercy. And that's the point we really want to drive home to our children as well. We're going to start Matthew 20. We're going to start with uh, verse 1 here. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. A denarius was a common coin. Uh, you can easily look up pictures of the coin online. It was a common coin which was the usual payment for a day's wages. Sometimes some of the translations actually have translated this as a penny because that's what a penny used to be. Years and years ago, a penny used to be that was your, your a normal wage for the day. And back then, a penny could uh, be used to buy quite a bit more than it can buy these days as well. So some of the translations actually have a penny, but that's not really 
equivalent anymore. So this was a fair, normal wage for these laborers. You come and labor for me for the day, and I will give you what is right, uh, the, the full payment for the, the day of labor. So Jesus goes out at first, well, sorry, the landowner, which obviously is a picture of Jesus, but the landowner goes out and it just says early in the morning, maybe just right before the sun is rising. They can't really get to work until the sun rises, but so he goes out right before. He calls them to come and labor in his vineyard. This would have been about 6 a.m. Matthew uses the Hebrew way of reckoning time, which begins at sunrise. So what we would call 6 a.m. would be zero hour for the Jews, and that's what he's talking about here. So Jesus goes out just before sunrise, probably, or right at sunrise, right about 6 a.m., and calls, sorry, again, landowner, not Jesus, <laughs> um, and calls men to labor. Then the third hour would be three hours later after that, so 9 a.m. The sixth hour would be six hours after that, which would be noon, uh, sorry, six hours after the early morning, six hours after 6 a.m. Uh, and then the ninth hour, nine hours after 6 a.m., so you're talking about 3 p.m., and the 11th hour, 11 hours after 6 a.m., uh, so that's about 5 p.m. The day would have ended around 6 p.m. The sun rises and sets pretty much right at 6 and 6 uh, all year round uh, in those tropical climates in, in the land of India. That was something I experienced for myself. Sorry, I said India. I meant in the land of um, Israel. But that's something I experienced myself when I was in India. Uh, it didn't vary much. Some, you know, during the summer it would set maybe as late as 6.30 or 6.45. It might have gotten close to 7, but it didn't vary much from around 6. Sunrise, sunset, pretty much 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. all year round. So this, the the day would have ended around 6 p.m. So these men that he calls at the 11th hour, which would have been about 5 p.m., we only had about an hour to work, and the parable mentions that as well, that they only worked for an hour, although I, that's coming up here in a bit. The vineyard is commonly used both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as a picture of God's people. In the Old Testament, the vineyard was primarily the nation of Israel, and there is numerous parables in the Old Testament and poetic songs as well that compares God's people to a vineyard. Jesus uses it the same way in the New Testament. Pretty much any time he talks about a vineyard, he's talking about his people. There are some parables where the vineyard is clearly the nation of Israel, and there are some parables where the vineyard has kind of moved on from the nation of Israel to be the church and all of God's people, uh, all the believers. So we're going to assume it's pretty clear that that's the way Jesus is talking about it in this parable, that it's the larger view, not just the nation of Israel, the original people of God, so to speak, but uh, all believers in Christ, including the Gentiles that would come to faith. So that's what the vineyard is here. It's God's kingdom or God's people. The workers of the vineyard are therefore those who labor among God's kingdom, among God's people while they are on this earth. This does not necessarily mean that we should think of these primarily as pastors and teachers. Certainly pastors and teachers do labor in God's vineyard, but there are many others who labor in God's vineyard. Now, the Bible reminds us that each has been given the gifts by the Holy Spirit, and we all labor with the gifts that God has given us, doing our part, uh, our job in God's kingdom. And so the ushers who, you know, see to the worship service and light the candles, the, the guy who goes out and mows the lawn, uh, the mother who stays home and faithfully teaches her children the knowledge of the Lord and raises them with the, the Bible stories and, and learning how to pray, uh, everyone who 
is a part of God's church and part of God's kingdom is a labor. And so really, the laborers also are all believers. We, really, we really shouldn't try and restrict it. Now, something that someone might say about that is that that's kind of a problem because I've just said that the vineyard is all believers and now I've said the laborers are all all believers and there's some who might argue well it, it can't be both right if the vineyard is all believers the laborers have to be something different or a subset so that, that's got to be the pastors and teachers but that's really taking a parable too literally you know parables are meant to teach us a lesson and not everything in the parables always lines up perfectly with real life and rather than trying to differentiate between the laborers and the vineyard, we should recognize that we are all both, right? We are all vines in God's vineyard who need to be watered with God's word, who need to be comforted at times, who need sometimes to be uh, told that we're wrong and we need to be confronted with our sins. So we are all vines, even pastors and teachers are vines that need to be watered, that need to be labored over. And God's uh, others of God's people do that. Others of God's people do that for me and, and for other pastors as well. And we are all laborers as well. We are all also the laborers who water and feed the other vines. So we're not one or the other. It's not this is the vineyard and this is the laborers. It really isn't a differentiation, but they're really just two different aspects of the believer's life. Sometimes we are the vine being watered and sometimes we are the laborer watering or, or harvesting uh, from the other vines. Uh, so either the, so both the vineyard and the and the laborers it, it, the the best way to take both of them is simply these are God's people uh, both being watered by God's word being labored over and doing the labor as well. Some of them, of course, uh, are called to faith when they're young and uh, are believers and faithful their whole life, right? And some others uh, uh, come to faith maybe even on their deathbed, you know, just at the last minute. And so that's the distinction that God is making here, Jesus is making here between those who are called in the early hours and those who are called right at, at the end. We'll continue with verse 8 through 15. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? What Jesus is trying to teach us in this parable is so utterly contrary to the way that we think that it's really hard for us to understand and it's hard for us to wrap our heads around it. When the labor, when those who labored all day first come to the landowner, we're probably right there with them. Yeah, that makes sense. They labored all day. They should receive more. We're, you know, all on their side. Uh, and probably even thinking that with them, why should I bother to labor all day long if I can get away with only laboring for an hour and get the same payment? But that really, again, just reveals how sinful our hearts are, that we're not thinking about what's right, 
And we're not thinking about what we have received, but instead we're thinking about, well, what can I get away with? Can I, if I can get the same payment for only an hour of work, why should I labor all day? Why bother to labor all day if you can get the same pay for only an hour of work? That's our sinful nature thinking there. And it's so ingrained within us. If I labor all day, I deserve more than the person who labored for an hour. It's so ingrained in us that we really need to come to this parable in penitence and prayer, pleading with the Lord to open our hearts and our minds to see it from his perspective, which of course is the right perspective, because we are so easily blinded by our sinful earthly perspective, we don't even realize the goodness of our Lord. We have that tendency to think, well, what can I get away with, instead of thinking, oh, what can I do for God? But even though it's contrary to our sinful way of thinking, what Jesus reveals here about God is absolutely correct. And this parable not only reveals our own sinfulness, but it reveals just how great and loving and merciful our God is. Those who labored all day should not be thinking, why bother laboring all day if I can get away with one hour? That's a sinful way of thinking. They should be gladly doing their work for the price that they agreed, for the correct pay. And they should be glad and happy that they have the work and that God is willing to, to give them this, this payment, this denarius. Then when the landowner gives the same to these people who labored only for one hour, instead of being jealous, all that they only had to labor for an hour, we should really be overjoyed at the grace and mercy of our Lord, of the landowner, which of course is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he would be so gracious as to give these men who only labored for one hour a full day's wage. And the same thing then is true spiritually. Uh, instead of thinking, well, I've been faithful my whole life, I deserve something more from God, we should rejoice with exceedingly great joy that those who repent at the last hour on their deathbed receive forgiveness and eternal life just like us. Uh, and they are not, you know, they don't have to suffer for all eternity because of the sins of their life, which means that we don't have to suffer for all of eternity for the sins of our life. And so we really should just be over, overfilled with joy at the grace of, of our God who would treat people in such a loving manner instead of that sinful way of thinking of, well, I deserve more. Jesus ends this parable with an explanation. So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's go back a second and talk about the phrase, go your way. Uh, so he says to those who complain, uh, take what is yours and go your way. Now that phrase can be interpreted as a term of punishment. It can be seen as God um, saying to the people who maybe come on the last day and say, well, we've done our part. You owe us heaven, right? What's God going to say to such people who come before him based on their works? He's going to say, depart from me. No one's going to get into heaven on the basis of his own works. And so that could be seen as the analogy here. It could also be that, you know, God is is gently chiding them, be content that you have received heaven, even though you don't deserve it, and go your way into heaven. And really, the difference is going to be the attitude of those people who come before God. Uh, some people are going to come before God and attempt to claim that they have been good enough, that they deserve heaven. They're going to attempt to come before God on the basis of their own works, and such people are going to be sent away. But others of us are 
truly repentant of our sins. We acknowledge we don't deserve heaven, but we're still sinful. Uh, we might still have, you know, a sinful attitude, a jealous attitude about others. And that jealous attitude God chides us for, he shows that it's wrong, just like he's showing Peter that his jealous attitude is wrong. But he's not sending Peter away from heaven, of course. And remember, that's the the context of this parable was what Peter said. He's not denying Peter heaven, so he's not sending him to eternal punishment, but he's, he's lovingly chastising him and saying, you know, be content, be, be joyful with what you have received, namely the gifts of God in eternal life, instead of being jealous that others, uh, others receive it as well. And so that, that go your way there it could really be interpreted either way, depending upon the attitude of the one that, that comes. But since, but since Jesus is kind of addressing Peter here, you know, I, I really think we should take it mostly as that last one. He's, he's confronting us with our sin. Yes, we have a sinful heart, but he's also doing it in love and forgiveness and still giving us the denarius, uh, the, the thing he promised us through Jesus Christ. Uh, so then we come to this last verse, verse 16, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So what Jesus is expressing here is that there are many who have labored diligently for Christ their whole life. Uh, they have been faithful their whole life. Uh, not perfectly faithful, of course, we're all sinners, but uh, you know, more faithful than others, uh, laboring in Christ's kingdom. And so it might look from a human perspective, we might see such people and, and think, well, think of them as the first, as the greatest uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, we might see modern day people who, you know, labor overseas in the mission field like Paul did, a uh, very active in God's kingdom, um, giving up a lot of the comforts of modern life in order to bring the gospel to, to Africa, to India, etc. And to us, from an earthly perspective, it looks like they're the pinnacle of what Christians ought to be. They're the, the first among the believers, right? Yet some people like that, not all, many of them do it with a true and faithful heart, but some people like that come before God on the last day with the attitude that I deserve something from him because of my long and diligent labor. And such an attitude will get you nowhere before God. God will point out to such people that they deserve nothing, uh, and they who seemed so high from an earthly perspective, God will bring low. He's going to point out their sin. And if they're reliant upon that for salvation, uh, they're going to be brought really low because they're going to be sent away. But if they have a kind of a sinful attitude, but they're still repentant and believe in Jesus Christ, they're not going to be sent away. But there is going to be a there is a chastisement from God there. On the other hand, there are those who lead a sinful life uh, their whole life, and but repent and come before God on the basis of His grace. And such men, knowing how sinful they are and having really done very little from an earthly perspective for God and His kingdom, come before God in humility, repenting of their sins, just like the the tax collector in the in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? They come before God in humility. They seem from an earthly perspective to be last, but God raises them up because they come before him in faith and because they come before him on the basis of his promises and on the basis of Jesus Christ, God raises them up. He forgives them. Uh, he makes them full citizens in the kingdom of God. And so uh, those who come lowly, making themselves last before God, God raises up. But those who come before God uh, with pride, making themselves first in the kingdom of God, God brings them down. Really at the heart of this parable, which 
really the heart of this parable is is to teach us to be on guard against work righteousness and against that attitude of lifting ourselves up before God uh, and really teaching us to cling only to God's grace and promises through Jesus Christ to come with that spirit of humility that I deserve nothing from God but God gives me everything based on his grace he has promised us an inheritance in heaven and that's more than enough for us we labor uh, even if we labor all day long our whole lives even if we labor diligently we don't do it to receive a reward at the end uh, we don't do it because we think we deserve greater treasures in heaven we do it because having received that promise from God of eternal life forgiveness of sins and salvation we desperately want others to have the same and so we're, we labor in God's kingdom uh, trying to share this same grace of God that we have received with others may the grace and love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ go with you and bless your Sunday school lesson let me know if you have any questions